Welcome to A Mental Fitness for Moms, the podcast for high achieving moms who are balancing high earning careers and motherhood. So grab your favorite drink and let's do this. Hi, I'm Tiffany Spencer, registered nurse, mental fitness coach, and mama of two who used to live for the corporate ladder climbing until I experienced a nervous system breakdown in 2018. After working on my own mental health, I decided to walk away from it all and become the CEO of A Mindset by Design. Now I get to combine my medical background with emotional intelligence to help moms just like you achieve a true sense of self by overcoming stress and anxiety. Make sure you tune in each week and let this podcast be a refreshing reset for you, just like meeting your girlfriends for happy hour. Trust me, nothing's off limits. Welcome to a mental fitness for moms. Welcome to a mental fitness for moms episode zero. This is that foundational episode that's going to change your thoughts on mental health and mental fitness forever. See, I was like you, six-figure mama, two girls under the age of 10, a wife 15 years plus, and I was traveling the country each each week for work. Little did I know in 2018, my world would change drastically and I would have to recreate essentially who I was. I do want to preface in this episode, I am going to interview myself. Why? Because I want you, the viewer, to get to know me, my story, how I got into coaching and becoming the CEO of a mindset by design. First of all, for those that are hearing me for the first time, I am a licensed medical professional, mental fitness coach, behavioral coach with over 15 years of medical device sales and sales management. While yes, my background seems extensive, it would never prepare me for my life change in 2018. See, In March 19th of 2018, I had a complete nervous system breakdown that I never saw coming. Before I dive into my entire story, I kind of want to back it up six months. And the reason why I do this is because I want you to have a little bit of context of the stress that I was under and that I didn't even recognize. In 2017, I was basically forced out of my sales career because I turned my current boss in for harassment. While he eventually left the company, we found out he had harassed, well, basically we found out he had harassed 15 other women. I was forced to be on a team where I was shut down, harassed more, and put on a performance plan. For those of you that are in sales, performance plans you know when you haven't done anything wrong is a way to get you out. I had never been on one in 15 years. So I knew the cogwheels were turning. I started to feel the pressure and the stress mounting. And my former manager had reached out to me for a management position that I immediately jumped on. I took the position knowing I would be under his guidance and I would learn the ropes from him and it would be the best move, right? It was a win-win. Little did I know within my first month, he was going to get displaced. I would lose my entire team. I would pick up a third of the United States all within my first 30 days. I could have never prepared myself for the onslaught of imposter syndrome, stress, and anxiety that I felt However, I hid it under working long hours, traveling the country, and leaving my family to fend for themselves. Before this, I started to see a naturopathic doctor. About two months before my breakdown, I was diagnosed with the usual mold sensitivity, food sensitivities, gut health issues, you name it. I was placed on over 25 different supplements, all the while my body was revolting, little by little by little. I started to forget things. I started to forget how to get my kids to school. I would space out constantly. The stress was mounting and I didn't realize I was living from a conditioned response. Five days prior to my breakdown, I had a herniated disc where I was having a lot of pain and we decided to do a steroid injection. During the steroid injection, um, everything was fine. 
about five days later is when I started the onslaught of panic attacks. Hindsight being 2020, part of my issue that kind of was the catalyst for a good portion of this um, at the time was I was under a conditioned stress response. I was living from stress and anxiety. My body was burning out. My adrenals were burning out and the steroid just enhanced it even more. It completely burned out my adrenals, which also burned out my thyroid, which also burned out my limbic system. And I went into complete fight or flight mode. Now, by this time, um, I was making trips to the emergency room. Nobody could figure out what was wrong. I was having blood work on top of blood work, physician visits on top of physician visits. I had taken a leave of absence from work. I couldn't get off the couch. I was experiencing 10 plus panic attacks a day and nobody could figure out why. And I was put on Ativan at first. I found a, eventually found a psychotherapist to see was transitioned from Ativan to a milligram of Clonopin. And I knew Clonopin being a nurse was dangerous. I didn't realize how dangerous a one milligram dose could be. It was the only medication that would relieve some of my anxiety and panic at the time. However, within 30 days, I had had a plan to kill myself. I had had, um, pretty much everything figured out to commit suicide, except for I didn't want my family to find me. And it was during this time that I knew I needed to get some help. I reached out to my physical therapist at the time I had been working with for many, many years and explained my story to him and kind of what I was feeling and thoughts and things like that, because I felt like I couldn't tell my family. And he immediately had me driven over to a inpatient stress center and had me admitted for fear of losing my, for fear of losing my life. Um, I spent one week in the hospital, in the stress center. I was changed medications. I was told that this was my new normal. At the time we were still doing blood work on top of blood work. Everything was coming back normal. Nobody could figure it out. It was just like, okay, well, she had a mental break. This is kind of her new life. She's going to have to get used to this. She's going to be medicated forever. And I'm like, no, this is not how this is going to be. I would cry every day because nobody was listening to me. And I eventually was released the day before Mother's Day in 2018. My body continued to break down after that. I would, because I was in such a fight or flight state, my body would not ever switch to a rest and digest state. So I could eat and eat and eat, and I would lose a pound and a half to two pounds every day. I was rapidly losing weight. My body was basically eating itself from the inside out. And I remember trying to fit into some of my clothes and they would just fall off of me. And my 10 year old at the time, my daughter was 10 at the time. I went in, I was like, well, let me try some of your clothes on. And I started to fit into her clothes. I had lost about 90 pounds within three, three and a half, four months. My body was just disintegrating and my organs were starting to shut down. I was starting to get yellow, starting to get jaundice. There was a lot of things that were going on internally that nobody could see on top of the external anxiety and panic that I was feeling every day. In the midst of all of this, I was diagnosed with over 35 different illnesses from Lyme disease to chronic fatigue syndrome to adrenal fatigue syndrome to POTS to celiac disease, you name it. it, The list was endless. And at the time... I knew I didn't have, I felt I could feel myself not having much time left. It was just, it was a weird feeling like 
if I don't do something drastic, I'm not going to be here anymore. And why, yes, I had already had a plan of committing suicide. I kind of had moved through that. Like, I cannot do this to my children. I want to live and I want to fight for why I'm here. I started researching stem cell therapy. I started looking at other people who had Lyme disease and why, yes, some of the symptoms fit kind of what I was going through. I There was no way that that could be the case because I hadn't had any recent tick bites. I hadn't I'm not an outdoorsy kind of girl. I'm just going to be honest with you. So some of the things were not matching up, but I decided to start looking into alternative types of treatment because not only did I need to, if there was an illness there that had kind of resurfaced, I also needed to kind of stop what was happening to my body. I had to kind of start to work with my body a little bit and kind of stop the progression of weight loss and just the fight or flight that I was feeling. I was to a point where my skin was burning from the inside out. I couldn't sleep. I would be up days on end all the while just trying to capture five minutes here. I couldn't be around my family. We had a meal train set up. I couldn't cook dinner. I couldn't go downstairs. I couldn't do laundry. It took just enough energy for me to even, and by this time I was actually sleeping in our spare bedroom. Um, because I didn't want to keep my husband up at night because I, I was, I was constantly out pacing and having panic attacks all night long. And that wasn't fair to him because he was trying to keep some sense of normalcy for our kids and his life. Why we kind of worked through the situation at the time, he didn't know how to help me. And the best thing he could do was kind of focus on our kids and kind of keep the home life somewhat normal. Why I struggled on the other side of things, hopefully trying to figure out what was going on with me. In the midst of all of this, I started to develop agoraphobia. I couldn't leave this room. I couldn't talk to people on the phone. I couldn't associate with my family. I started to pull away from them and I would hide in our spare room with the door shut. I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't listen to music. My body was in such complete fight or flight. I started to fear all of these things. And it was about August. It was around August time frame. It was right around when my girls were going back to school. I had found a physician in California who did stem cell therapy and had many conversations with him. And it was going to be a two week time frame that I would have to be out there, but hopefully that the stem cells would stop the progression of my body shutting down, provide me kind of a, a stop gap, if you will, of, of just this spiral that I was in and hopefully switch my body from, you know, sympathetic to a parasympathetic mode. But also if there was any illnesses that kind of were re-triggered through all of this, that it would start to rectify those things. And it was kind of my Hail Mary, if you will. The decision was made for me to go to California for two weeks. Um, I'll be frank and honest with you. I still have no idea how I did it. I remember crying in the airport because I had to be wheeled through the airport in a wheelchair when a few months prior, I was running through that same airport trying to catch my flight to a city I had never been to before. And I remember looking at my mom and I'm just like, how is this happening to me? I, I don't understand. I was heavily medicated on the flight to LA. We get to LA. I do two weeks of stem cell therapy. The stem cells are starting to, to take hold my, um, I started to normalize my weight. I started to feel things differently. And the decision at that time was I would stay on the Klonopin, hopefully get through kind of this phase. And we would start looking at some other things. We got home, um, in August by October, November, I was still having mental issues. I was still having anxiety, panic, fear, agoraphobia. I couldn't walk outside now. 
I couldn't even walk to the end of my driveway to get the mail. And the decision was made at that point in time that the only common denominator and a lot of this was the clonopin. And the decision had to be made that I needed to start to wean off of the clonopin, which I, at this point, I was on a milligram and a half, roughly about a milligram and a half dose. And we had to start to taper off of that. I was doing daily injections of nicotinamide or NAD to kind of help re-regulate my neurotransmitters. I was doing that every day to shave off small doses. If anybody has ever gone through withdrawal, it is probably one of the hardest things I have ever done in my entire life. The withdrawal process, you have zero control. You have to take it extremely slow. You are at the mercy of whatever your body does. And I didn't have another medication to offset the symptoms I was experiencing. My resting heart rate would be 206. I would get up, my blood pressure would bottom out. There was a whole host of things. I basically lost all autonomic control of my body, my heart rate, my breathing, my ability to walk, my ability to talk, my ability to socialize, rationalize, think put things together. I was flat affect. I couldn't smile. I couldn't laugh. I had no emotion. Couldn't, I had no memory recall. I had lost essentially everything that I had that built who I was, my memories, my, my thoughts, my feelings were not even my own. And I think it was in that moment when I realized like everything I had worked so hard for really meant nothing. Like I had strived to work the corporate ladder. Like I was you know, I was a child who was never really conditioned to go to college. Um, I was the first girl to graduate high school and college in my family. And then I went, met my husband and decided to, you know, go to college four years later. I graduated high school with a D average. I hated high school. It was not my thing. And I was like, okay, if he can go to college, I went to a couple of his classes in Ohio. And I was like, if he can do this, I can do this. And the decision at that time was made to go to nursing school of all things. <laughs> and um, I ended up graduating nursing school with honors, but it was the first time in my life that I had felt accomplished. And the more I started to do, the more accomplished that I felt and the more people paid attention to me. And, you know, I was a kid in high school that I would do anything to get attention because my parents worked hard. They didn't have a lot of time for us. So I got in a lot of trouble. And so the demons started to grow and it kind of went from, you know, nursing to medical device sales where the accolades and the awards and the climbing the leadership ladder and being trusted members and, and being in all the important meetings and, you know, all the things that I was being invited to kind of started to feed the ego even more. And coming through a lot of this, I could start to see how, I was losing bits and pieces of myself along the way. And when I lost it all, the only thing I had was me. I had no memories. I had no recollection of anything. I had nothing. And I was like, I could look at a picture. I would remember getting the, my kids up for school and getting them downstairs at least and getting them out the door. I would make them walk to the bus. And I remember coming in the home, coming back, you know, kind of through my house upstairs. And there was pictures of my husband and I, and I didn't, it was the first time I didn't recognize ever being in a photo. I didn't recognize myself. I remember sitting on the floor crying, wondering if that person was ever going to come back. And that was probably the hardest kind of pivotal moment in my life. Like nothing else before this really even mattered. All the times I was 
climbing the corporate ladder. I was yelling at my kids. I didn't want to hear loud noises. I wanted everything to be perfect. I, you know, was traveling every week. I was doing all of these things. Everything on the outside looked so perfect and I was crumbling on the inside. And it wasn't until this happened when I started to kind of see how my timeline and my, my trajectory was playing out. And I knew in that moment that there was something else going on with me. It was not these illnesses I was diagnosed with. So I started to look into brain retraining type things towards the end of my clonopin withdrawal. I ended up doing 18 days in outpatient detox because I needed to do that in order to come off of the medication and not have a seizure and die. I did 18 days of hard IVs. Um, I did what they call NAD IVs for eight hours a day. I would get up, I would take an Uber over there because my husband was at work at the time and he had taken the kids to school and I would take an Uber over there, do my eight to 10 hours of IVs and I would come home and go straight up to bed. I couldn't be around my family. I couldn't look at my family and I did that for 18 days. Seizure medication. By the time I was done, I was finally off the medication, but I had lost my ability to walk. Um, I couldn't hear loud noises. I would sit in the spare room and sit here and cry, rock back and forth open the window for fresh air um, because I was still suffering from intense anxiety and panic, which was the withdrawal. And nobody could tell me how long this would last. This eventually lasted for another six to eight months. I was considered a long hauler in terms of withdrawal, which I come to find out was not the only one. Um, there are millions of people that have a very hard time coming off of benzodiazepines, antidepressants every single day that's not talked about having these conversations more and more of the dangers of these medications. You know, I came off the medication. It was another six to eight months before I could even start to feel anything. Some of my memories would come back in flashes. I would have moments of clarity and go straight into panic and anxiety. I started to feel things differently smiling, laughing still was not a thing. I had to teach myself how to smile I remember the first time I laughed, it had been almost two years and my daughter burnt a bagel of all things. And we were sitting in the kitchen and I was trying to have somewhat of a dinner with my family and we were sitting there and my daughter burnt her bagel and I just started busting out laughing. I had tears running down my face and my family just all stopped and looked at me and I was like, what? And they're like, mom, you're laughing, like you're smiling. And I remember going upstairs because it was such a foreign feeling for me. And I had a panic attack and I spent the next four days in bed because my nervous system was so taxed from that. And I knew I was like, okay, like there's a nervous system issue here. I started to dive even deeper into brain retraining and learning how to control my nervous system, how to control, you know, my thoughts and my feelings and work through. I didn't think I had trauma because I was like, well, I don't have, I mean, I have a couple big trauma things that happened in my life, but it wasn't until I started dealing with like limiting beliefs and learning more about emotional intelligence and all of these things that the puzzle pieces started to fit together. So I did an online course where I eventually got some of my memories back and I started working on my limiting beliefs and I saw how much I had done to myself. And that moment was another pivotal moment because I had played a victim for over 40 years. I was a victim to everything and I had no power. I had given my power to everybody. 
And it wasn't until I started to work on my belief systems and my emotions and my emotional intelligence. And I started setting boundaries and I started thinking for myself and creating these things for myself that I realized that I had given everything away and it was up to me to get my power back. It was up to me to now recreate the person that I wanted to be. And I thought, shit, I'm in my forties. Like, I don't want to have to do this, but this is what we're faced with. Right. So during that time I started, you know, heavily brain retraining and I would do visualizations. I would write in my journal and I started kind of putting a process together. And it was as I was coming through this with my family that I started to realize that I had, you know, no boundaries. I had imposter syndrome. I was a workaholic. I would, I had anxiety that didn't manifest as typical anxiety. I had depression that wasn't recognized. I had disassociation that wasn't recognized. Like all of these things it, it were happening that were never talked about. I was told to take vacations and, oh, just rest a little bit. And it was nothing that ever was going to last. I mean, right before I got sick, I was working out five days a week, right? We're told to work out when we're stressed because we get that endorphin release. We get, you know, the dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin release. Why those things are great, they're just band-aid approaches. And nothing was really working long-term until I started doing this. And I started to find that a lot of my symptoms started to drop off. I started to become clearer in my head. Um, I started to get rid of the brain fog. All of the illnesses I was diagnosed with really didn't exist. Um, They really were not true diagnoses. It was kind of what my body was presenting as. Um, And so after being diagnosed with over 35 different illnesses and over 100 different symptoms, I was really kind of just left by the time it was all over with, with just some brain fog here and there. And I needed to do some adrenal rehab and things started to come back. I started to live in the moment. I started to become a little more present. I started to, you know, move on with my life and create joy and happiness. You know, I used to be asked all the time and I'm, I will not lie about this. And I'm sure some of you viewers can relate to this. I used to get asked all the time. I was like, what's your hobby? who the hell has time for a hobby, right? I was like, who has time for this? I'm so freaking busy. I I wouldn't know a hobby if it hit me in the face. I started to have hobbies. I started to like to read. I I like to journal. I like to watch movies. I like to, like, these were all things that I started to find joy in before they would be like taxing for me. Um, The holidays, right? I, I would not decorate very much for the holidays because I was like, this is just one more thing I have to put away. Like, this is not fun for me. Like, I'm going to drag all this shit out and then I'm going to have to put it all back again. And it just, it was like, I, I didn't have the energy to even make Christmas cookies or like, it was just little things that just presented. And I don't know about you viewers, but you know, these are things that started to add up. And it wasn't until my nervous system collapsed when I realized that none of that stuff really mattered. And when I had to recreate my identity and when I had to recreate who I was is when I found that I had been living a complete entire lie. I had trauma. I had limiting beliefs. I had imposter syndrome. I had a whole anxiety. I had depression, but it was, it wasn't until it was an afterthought that I took it seriously. And I think that's one of the things I want you guys to get out of today is 
we have such a negative thought process when it comes to mental health that we do not do anything for our mental health. We'll do the Band-Aid stuff, right? We'll say the affirmations. We'll change a couple habits. We will work out. We will do some of the Band-Aid approaches, but we don't do the deeper work until shit falls off the rails like it did for me. I, I being one of them, I fully am, was one of them. I am now in a place where I want mental fitness to become the norm. I want us to take care of our mental fitness, just like we do our physical fitness. We will spend thousands of thousands and thousands of dollars on diet plans and workout routines and all of these things to take care of our physical body, but we will not do the same for our mental bodies. And what people don't realize is they are so interconnected. We don't take it seriously enough. So a mindset by design was born in January of 2020. A mindset by design is really designing your own mindset using emotional intelligence. It really has such a lot of meaning because I think we get so caught up in the day to day that we are trapped in these little boxes of being a mom, mompreneur, CEO, leader, wife, daughter, like we are putting ourselves in all these little boxes without understanding that we don't have to stay in these boxes. Like we can venture out past them and be more than one person at a time. I remember, you know, I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't cross my motherhood with being a leader. Like I couldn't talk about who my kids were. I couldn't talk about my family. And there were times where you know, being in a man's world and working in medical device sales, where I would show up to work and, you know, I'd be on these work trips and the guys that I worked with are like, who has your kids? I'm like, what what do you mean? Who has my kids? My husband. And they're like, oh, you don't have like reinforcements? No, it's just my husband and I. And it was in those moments where I was like, this is just not reality. And As I was coming through my healing phases, I started to coach others and I got a joy out of that, right? My background is nursing. My background is I want to help other people. That's just who I am. And this was a way for me to start helping other people is to coach women, especially six-figure women like myself. It's no small feat, guys, to make six figures as a woman and to take care of your family, be married or have a significant other and manage all of these parts of your life without some stress and anxiety, but it doesn't have to be normal. And I think you, we've, we've normalized these pieces of hustle culture and superwoman and super mom. We've normalized these phrases and these thoughts as a badge of honor and not a hindrance. And we have to start looking at, we don't have to take on all of these titles and start really picking and choosing what we want to do. So out of a mindset by design, we have now just launched um, TiffanyRSpencer.com. And in TiffanyRSpencer.com, we have two programs. And I want to talk to you about them really quick because I think it's important that you understand that there are things out here that can help you. Therapy did not work for me. I didn't want to go and do talk therapy. I wanted something that was going to be actionable. I wanted something that I could do in between sessions. I wanted something. I wanted to create something in a safe place for people to go because when I was looking for something, I was either going to be drugged, belittled, talk it to death, 
or something else. And I didn't want any of those things. I wanted to take my power back and take my control. And that's what I've created for other women. Our one-to-one VIP program is called Recalibrate. Recalibrate is very much, if you want that intimate experience of coaching and you want to work through a lot of your significant things, Recalibrate is our our six-month program for one-to-one. We also have a six-month group coaching program that is very similar, but it is group coaching called a Mindset by Design. And again, this is getting like-minded women together to work through these things. What people don't realize is that when you come through something like this, and you work on your limiting beliefs and you work on your emotions, you work on your emotional intelligence, there is a behavioral piece on the back end of this. And the behavioral piece is what is going to lock in your changes, right? You get up in the morning and you're like, oh, I'm going to work out today. And then you don't work out. There's no behavior behind that that's going to drive you because motivation isn't always the reason behind a behavioral change. And a lot of people get mistaken in that. They're like, oh, I'm just not motivated enough. And sometimes it's not motivation. And so having a coach will help you work through these things. But what I found coming through this is that I had to learn how to reintegrate with my family again. I had to learn how to set boundaries again. I had to learn how to love my spouse differently again. I had to learn how to parent differently again. Mind you, I lost almost two years with my girls at a very critical time. And my youngest had a lot, a lot of problems. My oldest shut down. And so we had to work through these things as a family, but I had to figure out how to reintegrate because I was not the same go-getter, superwoman, badass mom that I was. I was now a mom who was still badass, don't get me wrong, Um, (laughs) healed my nervous system on my own, but, um, you know, I was still badass, but I had to learn how to set boundaries. I had to learn to speak my voice. I had to learn to say no to things that I would normally say yes to because it wasn't good for me. And so, you know, that's the back end piece that a lot of people don't talk about. And then there's like a third piece of taking care of your physical body at that point, right? What can we do to work on your physical health to kind of make everything put together? And so, you know, that's how my story has really kind of unfolded. And my why is I want women to work on a mental fitness routine. Every woman out here should have a routine that is unique to them, whether that's journaling, you know, whether that's limiting belief work, that's learning how to control your emotional intelligence and using that as a mental fitness routine to maintain or keep emotional capacity throughout the day. As women, when we are able to do those, we become better partners, better moms, better sisters, better wives, better parents. We become better to ourselves, most importantly. If you get out of anything today is I hope you continue to listen to episodes. Mental Fitness for Moms is really about creating emotional intelligence. It's talking about all the mom stuff that happens every day, but how can we deal with that from a stress standpoint, from a burnout standpoint? Like, How do we start working through these things and continue to be on the offense instead of the defense? Like, I don't want it to be reactionary. I want you to be proactive with these things. So I hope you continue to listen. I hope you got something out of my story today and I'm wishing you guys nothing but the best and I will see you guys next week. Oh my goodness. You just finished another episode of mental fitness for moms. (laughs) If this show was powerful for you, I definitely want to hear about it. 
So take a minute, leave a review, or hey, hit me up in the DMs on Instagram at Tiffany Spencer Official with your biggest takeaway. I love hearing from my viewers. I want to leave you with one final note though. Remember, your mental fitness starts with a decision to do the work and you're leaning into it, mama. So I'll see you on the next episode.